for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is World Stage with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. World Stage indeed. Exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to steer everyone to brownstone.org on December 11th article, Why Does the Who Make False Claims Regarding Proposals to Seize States' Sovereignty by David Bell and Tai Tui Van Din. The Director General of the World Health Organization states, no country will cede any sovereignty to the, to the WHO, referring to the WHO's new pandemic agreement and proposed amendments to the international health regulations currently being negotiated. They go on to write, his statements are clear and unequivocal and wholly inconsistent with the texts he is referring to. A rational examination of the text in question shows that the documents propose a transfer of decision-making power to the WHO regarding basic aspects of societal function which countries undertake to enact. Well, my guest this hour, that's at brownstone.org, dated December 11th. Why does the WHO make false claims regarding proposals? My guest this hour is James Roguski, who is a researcher, author, and activist who has been calling out lies and propaganda for decades, and he works like no other to expose the World Health Organization's hidden agenda behind their proposed quote-unquote pandemic treaty, his vision for the future is out of the who and in with the new. He posts at jamesroguski.substack.com, R-O-G-U-S-K-I, and also at youtube.com. His channel is at James Roguski altogether. James, thank you very much for joining me again today. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure as always. I believe it'd be good to start with you. A little summary of what led you into the pursuit of the truth and publishing it, and then uh, we'll take it from there. But you, please. Um, you know, I'll start with how I stumbled down into the WHO rabbit hole. Literally, I um, was awakened at four in the morning by something and compelled to go search on the internet, uh, which was not a surprise. I had just written an enormous article about something that didn't exist at the time. This was March of 2022, and there were many proposals, but there was not yet an official thing called the Pandemic Treaty. There were many, many people talking about it. A lot of organizations, you know, putting a lot of money into their proposals. I wrote a big article about that on March 24th, but on March 28th, I got dragged out of bed and compelled to go research. I read a blog and it had in the blog that they had obtained a document and the word document was hyperlinked. And so down the rabbit hole I went and I haven't found my way out of the WHO rabbit hole since then. And what that document was, was a proposal uh, signed by Lois Pace, who was one of the delegates to the WHO from the United States, to amend proposals to amend the international health regulations. And so that set off all kinds of warning bells in my mind because, well, 
hold on just a moment. That's a totally different thing. Anybody who says the phrase pandemic treaty or accord or convention or WHOCA plus or goes by many, many names. That's not what I really want to talk about because that's a little bit off in the future. Um, it's important, but the issue with that is it's a framework convention. And what that's really hoping to do is set up a whole new bureaucracy. We just got done with meetings, not, not to shift gears and confuse people, but there were just meetings about the framework convention for climate change. They just had their conference of the parties for the 28th time. And that's what they're trying to set up with this new agreement. And the danger of that is it's just absolutely insane. They would have a totally new bureaucracy created that would then meet on a yearly basis. And whatever they decide about pandemic, you know, prevention, preparedness, response would just be gospel. We wouldn't have anything to say about it. That should just be rejected out of hand. The last thing we need is another unelected, unaccountable bureaucracy um, to tell us what to do. Now, you mentioned something earlier about you know sovereignty. Here's how the WHO splits hairs with the language, okay? That agreement would not transfer sovereignty to the WHO. It would transfer control to the conference of the parties. Slightly different, but by the letter of how they manipulate the language, when Tedros says what he says, he's right. You have to dig into the details and realize they're trying to create an entirely new bureaucracy and give that bureaucracy power. So it's complicated. The issue at hand, though, with the amendments is that these are changes to an existing document that's 54 years old, and people need to be able to, to distinguish between, okay, we're talking about the international health regulations and amendments to them, or mm. a totally new bureaucracy. Gotcha. You have on your substack everything uh, newcomers or interested people would need to find um, about the threat posed by what the WHO is is proposing the bureaucracy you're alluding to is that has the component of the one health initiative or true or false or is that in the in right. the uh right and right. also you could i would love for you to review the history of america's participation in the world health organization and make clear as you do so so passionately and so often and so necessarily, which is why I love having you back, the imminent, uh, the, the, the extra constitutional subversion, the subverted way that America is voluntarily going along with these things uh, to the violation of the oath of every member of Congress, in my opinion. Is that a more or less accurate broad statement? 
I'm, I'm with you on what you just said. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I did a um, rant a couple of days ago. I got awakened again early in the morning and it just came out of me. So there's a 45 minute rant. Um, I think that's about all we have left here. So I won't take up the whole time regurgitating that. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to summarize what I think the problem is. And it basically comes down to it's not so much about whether or not um, these nations are going to come together and try to create a new bureaucracy to give that new bureaucracy authority. It's really the fact that we, the people, have lost control of our representatives in each of our governments, whatever nation you may live in. And so a couple of examples, right? Um, in 1969, when they adopted at the 22nd World Health Assembly, at the same time that the moon landing was going on, they adopted the international health regulations. How, how many people have read, you know, the international health regulations from 1969? M more importantly, can you find anywhere in recorded history that the Senate gave its consent to our participation in that international agreement. Well, that didn't happen. And that's where the problem starts. Our Senate has been asleep for my entire life. They're not paying attention. Now, when we got into the WHO in 1948, it was not in the proper manner with two thirds consent of the Senate it was just a joint resolution of Congress signed by Harry Truman. So when people, you know, try to read the Constitution and understand how would we get ourselves into this mess, you know, it goes back to before we were alive. They've been, they've been handing over authority to the executive branch. And this is, this is really the core of the problem in the United States and many other nations. In the Constitution, going all the way back to the beginning, if you do a word search for the U.S. Constitution, you will not find the word health. Even Javier Becerra, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, publicly has stated that the federal government does not have any lawful authority over health. But then he went on to say that we do have a lot of money that they put into Medicare, Medicaid, all that sort of thing. And so what happened in 1948 was the Congress gave authority to the executive branch to send a delegate over to Geneva for the executive branch of the federal government to be involved in health-related issues. Well, hold on just a moment. That's a state's rights issue. What are you doing? You don't have the right. Now, if they had created a constitutional amendment and it had gone through the proper processes to give health authority over health from the states and the people over to the federal government okay fine but that's not what happened so this entire thing is in violation of the separation of power between federal and state governments and they know it but yes. they're doing it anyways. And yes. they, you know, yeah. until people wake up and say, hey, 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 wait a minute. Um, you have no, you know, the emperor has no clothes. The federal government has no authority. But they do yeah. have a lot of money. And that seems to be more powerful than law. Yes. And 
TNT radio listeners, I'm betting, are well aware of, of much of the harm done to the world's populations by the authority of the World Health Organization over the last four years, and even you know many decades beyond that. Mm-hmm. For, the, for the people who have followed us this far in this conversation and think, well, does it really matter who's orchestrating or enforcing health procedures if those health procedures are helping us? We have a you know a break coming up in two or three minutes, James, but it's it's well worth us discussing, if you would, the catastrophic harms up to date by abdicating the correct represented constitutional uh, way to develop health policy for the United States. Let's focus on the United States, let alone what your what I'm going to pull out of you. What is looming on the horizon? What is on paper? As you well teach it, the amendments, et cetera, have so much less to do with health than it has to do with tagging and tracking and tracing and controlling us like cows on a commercial agribusiness with tags in our ears with monitors you know maybe stapled someplace else if if you wouldn't mind spend as much time as you want reviewing the horrors the horrors being inflicted health-wise on us um well i think you said we got a couple of minutes before break so i'll try to yeah. condense it to that yeah, and then and well, i'll segue us nicely at that time yeah um in the proposed amendments that were submitted way back on September 30th, 2022, one of the most concerning aspects of it has not really been talked about as much as I feel it should be. And it primarily came from the European Union, but there were a number of other nations that proposed it. And it's essentially to set up a global digital health certification network. Okay, I have an old school um, vaccine passport. And there's a little form in here that the idea is that is currently found in the international health regulations. And what they're proposing to do is dramatically expand that, digitize it, set it up so everybody has a QR code, whether you have it on your phone or it's printed on some kind of card or something like that to give access to your medical records so that if you wanted to travel to another nation, you probably wouldn't even be able to book a flight unless you showed that you had whatever um, medical paperwork that the nation you were headed towards would require. Now, the bigger problem with that is you can do a search for Global Digital Health Certification Network and WHO and you'll find that they already have a page on that. They're building that system. It may very well already be built at the same time that they're pretending to be negotiating whether or not they're agreeing to do that. James, and that's, please. That's kind of how they operate. Yeah. yeah. Let me reintroduce you, James Rogusky, who can be followed at jamesrogusky.substack, reviewing for me the uh, very important. 
impending uh, conditions that the WHO and the United States would allow to be inflicted on us. And here now is important information from TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. TNTRadio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. This is Bruce Tatars. With me is James Roguski, and we were talking about the World Health Organization. I just want to... Uh, say this title of one of your recent substacks, James. The Who is absolutely despicable. You wrote, the Who is not an honest participant in their negotiations. They have committed voting fraud. They are conspiring to violate their own Article 55. They are openly participating in genocide. And I said that in order to entice folks to run after this show to your substack and enjoy the treasure trove of... Uh, hard work and, and invaluable information you've put there. And now I want to ask you, because you're a, you're a gentleman and you're following my, my questions uh, impeccably, but do you have, you know, a beginning, middle and end that I'm interrupting? Is there a, a you know, it's December 16th. Do you have a state of the situation that you wish that I would just patiently listen to? Talk to me. You're, you're pretty psychic. That's pretty good. Um, but but you you mentioned the despicable, so I actually um, I, I want to follow that tangent. It's a distraction, but it's an important, and it's a reason why I chose that title. Um, I, I came across someone shared a tweet with me, you know, a week or so ago, whenever it was, and it was a graphic image of you know an artist's rendering of a pregnant woman, 
and it was the WHO recommending uh, the jab for pregnant women. And the word pregnancy was circled. And I have to admit that my first thought was that someone had doctored up the official image to raise the awareness that, you know, they're talking about pregnant women. So I, I do what I did. I, you know, chase the source to find out what was going on. And I was actually surprised that it was, you know, undoctored. That is what the WHO was putting out, that they were promoting and they circled the word pregnancy to get pregnant women to take the COVID jab. And they had a bit.ly link on there. So I do what, you know, researchers supposed to do. I went to go find the source. It took me to the WHO's website. I found the page on, you know, COVID-19 jabs for pregnant women, downloaded the PDF, and it was promoting all you know, seven or more different jabs, including the Johnson & Johnson jab, which they had their EUA revoked a year and a half ago. And I looked at the date of the latest information being given by the WHO for the jabs for pregnant women. And it was from February 15th, 2022. And the J&J jab had been revoked about a week prior to that. And I, I have to say, you know, my head just sort of spun a little bit. This is the preeminent, you know, health authority. And mm -hmm. that information is after a, a report was put in the New England Journal of Medicine, I believe the September prior, that said for women who got the jab in the first trimester, 82% of the women lost their children. And that's just disgusting. And I, was, I have to admit, I debated between, you know, disgusting, evil, and despicable. And so I went with despicable, but you could have chosen a whole bunch of other words. And um, James, you know, it, what, what, it, what it highlights for me is your challenge and mine and everyone who wants to find the truth and everyone who wants to share it, the percentage of, we'll call them mainstream believers who still believe ABC, CBS, NBC, the New York Times, the Washington uh -huh. Post, you just described what honest journalism would also find mm -hmm. if they took if they were looking for you know the truth it's the stuff of you know pulitzer prizes decades ago no longer it takes you it takes platforms like tnt and it's gargantuan that that's equal that's like just as big and despicable as recommending something that causes miscarriages in 80 percent of pregnancies is that what you said that's I think so. not what I said. That's what was reported right. in the right. New England Journal right. of Medicine. Yeah. Well, uh, then I heard you correct. Then I remembered correctly. My effing God. So <laughs> as we yeah. talk in such civilized tones about something that ought to have us heaving, maybe, and I know I suffer late at night sometimes when these things occur to me. And yet, you know, we try to be cheerful and persevere. And I will let you persevere along the lines of the information and the and the uh, unfolding of the narrative as I beg you to share with me. So as as we are recording this today on Saturday, December the 16th, on um, Monday the 18th, uh, there's scheduled to be an event in the United Kingdom, which has a long backstory. And I'll try to condense that as much as I can. 
but there is scheduled on uh, Tuesday, I'm sorry, Monday at 4.30 uh, p.m. Uh, in England, um, a debate about the amendments. Now, the backstory behind that started with what I found a year and a half ago, this document that the Biden administration had proposed. Now, one of the things that they proposed was to shorten the time frame for considering and potentially rejecting future amendments. That time frame is currently 18 months. And Biden proposed shortening it down to six months. He also proposed shortening the time, because it's a little bit longer, that you have 24 months before it's, everything would have to be implemented. You'd have to pass legislation and allocate money or whatever. He wanted to shorten that 24 months down to six months. Now, that's a dramatic shortening of the time to consider large numbers of changes. And possibly the reason for doing that was if you go forward on the calendar to May of next year, at the end of May, and go six months beyond that, that would still be within his administration, which hopefully will change on January 20th, 2025. So by attempting to shorten the time frame, they were setting the stage to try to ram through all of these many changes that are coming. Well, that didn't work. The nations looked at that and said, no, we're not doing that. Then illegitimately, in the middle of the assembly in 2022, the Biden administration, the UK, the European Union, a handful of other nations submitted a new set of amendments that ultimately appeared to be adopted. But here's where there's a cognitive dissonance and there's a deer in the headlights look that everyone seems to get. They published a document on May 28th, 2022, the WHO did, and it's it has the um, name of their legal counsel saying that this is a certified authentic document. And it's with the changes that were supposedly agreed to. And it has on the bottom of that, the date where they said that this was agreed to. Well, it was the eighth plenary session, their meeting uh, in Geneva. Well, if you watch that video, you'll see that they never actually conducted a vote. You know, we think that we have uh, election integrity issues here, but at least they pretend to vote. They didn't even bother to pretend to vote. They just said they did. Now, on November 28th, a couple of weeks ago, um, a dozen members of the European Parliament wrote a letter to the WHO and the Director General Tedros because they had been alerted to this information and they couldn't find the evidence of a vote either. And so they said to Tedros, would you please provide us with evidence that a vote was actually conducted? Otherwise, those changes have to be considered null and void. And obviously silence from the WHO. And, and so silence from the media, silence from every member of Congress, silence from every member of the subcommittee who a couple of days ago interviewed Lois Pace, who was the delegate who submitted those amendments originally, um, 
basically the way they operate is when you catch them red-handed lying, um, it just this zone of silence comes over everybody. They just don't want to talk about it. No one in the alternative media, no one in the mainstream media, give that up. No one in government, you know, not even not even many of the people who are speaking out about the WHO. Um, what we have here is blatant fraud. Now, there's going to be a debate on Monday in the UK Parliament. And what happened was back in April of 2023, Tess Laurie from the World Council for Health put forth a petition uh, in the UK. They have a petition system to request of their parliament to have a debate. At 100,000 signatures, they're supposed to consider that. They ended up getting 116,000. They've been waiting for months. They scheduled the debate 18 days after the deadline to decide whether or not to reject the amendments. And so in the UK, their system is structured where their foreign ministry has an unusual name. It's called the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. And basically they've had three foreign ministers over these past 18 months. And that office is obligated to submit to parliament in the UK any international agreements, not for their approval or their consent, that's not how it works, but they're supposed to get 21 days to consider it and they can vote to reject it. So it's a little bit different than what we're used to in the United States, it's a little bit backwards. But they just conveniently never gave those 21 days to parliament to even consider it. So that's the second thing that I wanted to put in here. The third thing, I don't know if we have time or if we got to wait for the next one, but the third thing is on October 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, there was a meeting of the working group for these amendments. And much to my surprise, they came out and publicly stated, it's all recorded, I've documented all of this, that they're not going to meet their deadline with the negotiations for the large collection of amendments that they're trying to push through at the next assembly. There's a rule, Article 55, that says they have to submit the final version four months in advance of the next assembly so that all of the nations get a chance to look at what they're going to be considering. Well, they said, we know we're not going to meet that deadline, which technically is January 27th. They brought out their lawyer, Stephen Sullivan, who spoke for five minutes, essentially about one sentence, which does not have a loophole in it. It says nations shall submit amendments four months prior to the assembly. Then they talked for about an hour about how they were just going to ignore that rule. And they've scheduled meetings for February and April to continue the secret negotiations as long as they need to without giving any nation advance notice of whatever the heck it is they're negotiating. And so I've got three instances. You know, the first one is blatant voting fraud. The second one in the UK is at the very least administrative malfeasance. And the third one is literally conspiracy to violate Article 55's rule of you know, 
presenting this information four months in advance so that people can see what's going on. And nobody's talking about any of that. And so I encourage everyone to, um, you know, watch the UK um, debate, if you want to call it that. And you'll, you'll know who your heroes are by anyone who steps up and mentions any of those things, because the details of what might be in these secret negotiations is unknown to us. And so the fourth thing is what's with the secrecy? Why haven't well, you yeah. allowed us to see what's going on? It's not, a, it's not so much about what's actually in there. It's the fact that they lied about voting once. Um, they didn't show it to the UK parliament as their own government is, op is um, obligated to do. Mm -hmm. They're planning on breaking a rule and they won't let us see what they're talking about. Um, those it, are the issues that anybody could wrap their head around. That's just absurd. Yeah. And every watchdog group over our our Congress you, you needs to be pressured to leverage all assets. Every citizen needs to be pressured to pressure our representatives about this. We're, we're coming up to a break in a couple of minutes again, James. And then I think on the other side, I will definitely ask you, what's next that you would teach in your sequence of, you know, the urgency of the moment? But then I'll also want to explore with you how easily the United States could get out of the WHO, because you teach very eloquently about that, and it's rather simple. But also I'd like to explore, then I'll want to also explore with you who who runs and controls it along these lines? I saw some of Jimmy Dore's recent interview with Tucker Carlson, and he made the point that Bill Gates, through the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then also Gavi, the organization promoting vaccines around the world, I believe he said were the major contributors to the who and he described the who as being at the beck and call of its biggest biggest donors and they the, the biggest donors seem to be bill gates maybe there's another player or two right behind him but certainly i got the impression as i have for years now that it it is could be primarily bill gates so then we have to uh explore and examine his track record in history so you know mentally you know line those things up in, in a couple of minutes james um we have another minute or so what which which are you going to want to explore first about the few things that i definitely want to dig into um many people get the money confused and the actual issue that when we come back i hope we can talk about is why are these negotiations even going on and, and so that, mm. is, that is the root thing that people need to understand. And I think for the most part, it's been completely ignored and or misrepresented. So um, not to tease people through the well, break, but come, you know, come well, back for that because it really well, matters. Well, and also you're saying that, you know, reminds me of what we discussed earlier and what you said earlier is, they're well along to having this ready to just unleash and impose on us. So, yeah, the quote-unquote negotiations, what kind of bad theater is it 
And we really need to comprehend what's in store. And you've you've posted it all online. You give uh, copious interviews. You have equipped people in your posts with links to representatives and members of parliament and legislatures around the world. Every country concerned about these things can, every citizen of every country can really, really open doors to everything they need to get involved about this at jamesroguski.substack. My honored guest here on the awesome and incredible, here's important information from TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. In a shocking development that surprised no one, Hunter Biden failed to show up for his congressional deposition today. Moreover, California Representative Eric Swalliswell aided and abetted Hunter thumbing his nose at the Congress by working with Hunter's attorney so Hunter could avoid testifying. Will Hunter be held in contempt of Congress? Well, if so, so what? So was Eric Holder. Nothing was done. But you see, when Democrats are in charge and they hold somebody in contempt of Congress, well, their door gets busted down. They get taken out at 5 a.m. with CNN there to broadcast the whole proceedings the way Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, and Alex Jones were treated. Will Hunter be treated the same way? <laughs> you funny man. Of course he won't. But if there's any justice in the world, Santa won't be bringing Hunter another laptop this Christmas. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do. Yeah, okay. this is helping. The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do. When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you! Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. With James Roguski, passionate, life lover, uh, extraordinaire, and truth lover extraordinaire, especially when it comes to the World Health Organization. What's on your mind after, as we lined up a couple things to talk about, James, what's on the tip of your tongue, or shall I remind you about some things? Well, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that uh, I'd like to reiterate is if you actually were to pick up the international health regulations and just read through the table of contents, you'd see that they really should be called the international surveillance and monitoring, reporting, emergency declaring, fear-mongering control regulations, because that's really what they are. I think you alluded to that earlier, and I, I absolutely agree. But with what's going on now with these negotiations, I, I think people are missing the big picture. And the big picture is so insane, uh, it's almost unfathomable. But here's what it is. If, if you go back in time to the 2020, whatever the heck it is that happened in 2020, that's a whole other discussion. But at the end of 2020, about three years ago now, um, these marvelous and amazing jabs were made available. And if everyone could only just get a couple of jabs in the arm around the world, everything would be fine, the problem would go away, and would all be on, on the mend, you know, building back better, okay? Obviously, I'm being facetious. And so what ultimately did happen 
was the wealthy nations signed contracts for 10 times what they might have needed. And in the middle of 2021, the relatively poor nations said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Um, you guys are hogging up all that wonderful stuff. They called for a special session of the uh, World Health Assembly. They met at the end of November, December 1st, 2021. And they said, we need an agreement for equitable access to pandemic-related products. Now, if you can divorce yourself from anything that you've come to know about whether or not those products actually were beneficial and you should want them in the first place, I think you could admit that there was a, a valid reason for a trade dispute. Those products were not dispersed evenly amongst all people in the world. The wealthy nations hogged up all the jams with their contracts and the other nations didn't get what they thought they deserved. Now, the crazy part is that's what they're arguing about. They want more jabs, more drugs, more investment. They want to be able to manufacture these mRNA biological weapons so they can inflict them upon their own people and profit from that activity. Now, that's insane. But that's what started these negotiations. And you have to keep that in mind that, yeah. okay, if, if you can imagine three years ago and the panic and the fear and the promise and the lies and everything, if, if you put yourself in a time capsule and never learned anything new as the evidence has come out over the last three years, then maybe you can see why these negotiations got started. Right. In, in the WHO Constitution, in Article 21, the WHO, now I, I think it's all in, invalid, I think it's all illegitimate, that's a different question. If, again, you allow yourself for the sake of discussion to go, oh, okay, you know, the WHO has a constitution and there are authorities granted in that constitution under Article 21, they should be negotiating for some of the things that are listed under Article 21. They, they could be negotiating regulations and standards for terminology. It'd be really great if they had a definition for the word vaccine or pandemic or safe and effective, but they're not coming up yeah. with that there's there's four more things five more things that i want to i'll, I'll just well i want before you get quick. to four or five more things i want to i want to interject on a couple of things but finish the, the point you're in please okay there are authorities given to the world health assembly that they could be negotiating amendments to the international health regulations and they've failed to do so for 76 years terminology, um, cause of death, yeah. standards for diagnostic testing, think PCR, which is just a complete and total fraud, purity of pharmaceutical and biological products, think you know circular DNA plasmids finding their way into a supposedly mRNA jab, and last but not least, right. um, advertising and labeling, think oh, blank inserts that people are supposed to read in order right, to be right. properly informed to give their consent. 
Okay. At the at the at the risk of interrupting you, what you just said should be a big bold headline. That's a stop the press's point you just made among four or five or six since we started this conversation, James. And it I just have to pause, stop, circle that, say that to state the obvious to you and to perhaps many viewers and listeners but i say emphasize that as all the more impetus for anyone who hasn't got hasn't had the courage yet to have these kind of conversations in their personal circles let alone do anything publicly like blog or do a podcast or write a letter to you know an email to the representatives nothing's going to improve until more people do that Uh another gigantic boulder you've thrown in the pond of people's complacency a few minutes ago was referring to the jabs as a bioweapon. I concur because of my years of research into it over the last four years or so. And there are people watching and listening who think that's hyperbole, who think, oh, it's a couple of tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theory, you know, hysterical people that I'm listening to right now. So what what source would you mention right now so people can see that you're accurately describing those injections as a as a bioweapon? I for one will throw out not only what's on your jamesroguski.substack but also what Naomi Wolf publishes and what Merrill Nass is publishing but who who would you mention and then please uh, tell me uh, what else you you brought to me today? Well, um, you know, just the latest article that I did um, last night uh, is the um, the Pandora's vaccine two um, a presentation um, by an Italian researcher, just talking about the what I call Franken lipids that make up the lipid nanoparticles that supposedly deliver, you know, the payload, which is this mRNA. Um, I've studied nutrition and done a great deep dive into the chemistry of fats and oils. And you have to understand that fats and oils make up every membrane of every cell in the human body. People maybe have heard of hydrogenated fats, hydrogenated oils, partially hydrogenated oils. Mm -hmm. Those types of poisonous, artificially man-made fats, you know, when they get into the membranes of your body, cause all kinds of problems. Well, the artificial fats that are in the lipid nanoparticles make hydrogenated oils look like a wonderful thing. These things are more reactive by a factor of two than ammonia. And this is what's being injected into people. And yeah. Argue what you want about whether or not it's, you know, a valid thing to do. I'm going to venture to guess that you've never been informed that those types of compounds are what is being injected. Now, those particular compounds are not on the generally recognized as safe list of compounds. So mm. the minute you hear anybody say something is safe and effective, you should be able to determine very quickly whether or not they're lying. Oh, 
what are the ingredients that you're using? Is it on the generally recognized as safe list? If it's mm. not, you're lying. Yeah, thank you. They've thank been you. lying it's, it's... this entire time, but because people yeah. don't take the time to actually understand the details, they accept the lie. It gets told again and again and again. And at some point, yeah. you, you have to get into your subconscious and see how you've been programmed to accept yeah. what these liars tell you. Yeah. And just kudos again to you, James, for spelling, giving us on a silver platter all you, all that you're posting and all that you're finding and your, your real consecrated work. There's nothing, there's no other way to describe it. So um, you, you had four or five other uh, pieces of evidence, bricks in the wall that I want you to, to, to share with me about the urgency of and then you then remember uh, save a minute to talk about the failure of our Congress and our in our Senate to and the bills that are that are votable if people would take action on them to get us out of the who. So what what would you share I've, with me next? I've, I've tried to make it easy for people. Um, if if you can all just remember, um, stoptheglobalagenda.com, stoptheglobalagenda.com. Um, you know, we're a little tiny bit blessed here in the United States. Um, we have had a couple of senators and I think four members of Congress at the moment who are co-sponsors to a piece of legislation that would have us exit the United Nations and the WHO. Um, I had been promoting um, ExitTheWho.com, and that was a piece of legislation, H.R. 79, which solely would exit the WHO. And I had asked um, many, many people around the country to call their senator to have them copy the exit the WHO legislation into the Senate because you have to do it in both houses. And while not one senator has done that, um, what has come up in the last couple of weeks is uh, companion legislation in the House and in the Senate to not only leave the WHO, but to also leave the United Nations. And so if you can just remember, uh, stoptheglobalagenda.com, yeah. nag on your congressperson. There are you know primary elections coming up, and it's really very simple. Um, if you what don't would see you, what their, would you, mm -hmm. no, your name on the list as a co-sponsor to exit the yeah. WHO or exit the UN, um, go find somebody else to vote for. And now I know what voting are, is a mess. What are, but what are the top? What are the top? I, you know, the, the the who? I, if you know, to anybody who's been listening since we started, that ought to be plain. Generally, did the same reasons apply for exiting the United Nations? What would you list as the top? You know, three or four reasons for the United States to get the heck out of the United Nations. Well, um, I'm actually going to point people to an associate of mine. If you go to preventgenocide2030.org, um, Dr. Rima Labo is far more knowledgeable about, you know, the history of the United Nations, uh, preventgenocide2030.org. Um, the United Nations is supposedly, you know, there to promote peace. But if you actually read, you know, what they're doing is they're promoting various agendas. It's been called many different things. You know, it's essentially come down now to the sustainable development goals. 
which loosely translates to, hey, we want to be in control of every aspect of your life. And every they aspect. know better than, you know, people on the ground who are farming or working or, you know, living their lives. Uh, it, yeah. It's a technocratic attempt to control every aspect of your life. Literally, let me throw, let me just, let me just interject. I memorized one of those sustainable development goals. They have a marker and then they have, you know, how do you, would you enforce it? You know, there's one of their, one of those goals, maybe it's a sub goal because this is, you know, lengthy stuff is equity and fairness and justice, even in household roles. And how would that be measured? The, the, distribution of the you know the work of a household maybe even by gender now all that's loosely paraphrase what i just said but there's language that means that so if implemented there'll be some kind of monitoring about who takes out the garbage <laughs> well m my life and my taking out of the, of the garbage is very closely monitored i don't need another one uh, doing that for me but it's, it raises the point. There's 169 sub-goals in their 17 sustainable development goals. And the, the thing that I, I think I'll leave everyone with is I don't speak a foreign language, Spanish or French or Russian or any such thing, but I've learned that the English language has many variants. And if you get into the medical profession, they use what you think is English but they don't, their words don't mean what you think they mean. Same thing mm -hmm. happens in law. The same thing happens in these bureaucracies. So one of the you know, benefits I've been trying to provide is reading WHO English documents and translating them into actual English that people use on a daily basis. When, when they say something like one health, they don't mm -hmm. mean like one person's health. That would be wonderful if that's what they meant. What they mean is they want to monitor and control every single aspect of your life. They want to spend billions of dollars searching for pathogens with pandemic potential so that they can bring those back into the lab and mm -hmm. analyze them, get the genomic sequence, send it off to a pharmaceutical company to make another poisonous bioweapon that they can then scare the daylights out of you, even if it isn't causing a pandemic, it's just the potential. We've got about a minute left, James. James Roguski, R-O-G-U-S-K-I dot substack dot com. Um, any, any, you know, final thoughts literally in about 10 or 20 seconds? Um, Bruce, thank, you know, thanks for the love. I appreciate it so much. And, I think what everyone needs to realize is it starts with the person who's looking back at you when you look in the mirror. Um, speak Amen. up. Say yeah. what is in your heart because your yeah. silence is viewed as consent. Yeah, and we haven't scratched the surface of what you've been posting the last couple of years. And you've got friendships and collaborations with other, you know, major you know researchers educated life-loving passionate people for liberty and the truth and uh, it's an honor to know you and call you my friend and um you know the uh the amount of tangible uh resources and links that you have embedded in oh, it looks like all of your posts to me 
at your YouTube channel. People can see other interviews and presentations at James Roguski is your is your channel. And uh, to be continued, I'm going to stay in touch with you, my friend, and I'm going to beg you to come back for you know these periodic kind of uh, updates. James Roguski here on the incredible TNT Radio.